Hey guys, Josh here, just popping in to let you guys know, since this is the first teaser that we're going to be posting for our bonus episodes, and we just wanted to clarify that you guys know what's going on here. Uh, so what you're about to listen to is a brief clip of our first patron-exclusive bonus episode, uh, which if you guys want to unlock the full episode and all future bonus episodes, which there are two of every single month, uh, you guys need to head on over to patreon.com slash podcast, which you can find in the description, uh, and subscribe over there to unlock it. Uh, and for those of you uh, who can't do that, uh, we're going to have uh, another episode available for free for you guys just next week. So the episodes that we've been doing every two weeks are going to be available for free forever. Uh, but we're going to be putting the teasers to the bonus episodes in here just for those of you who don't know about uh, these episodes. So without further ado, uh, let's get into scanners and Videodrome real briefly. And if you guys want the full episode, uh, go on over to patreon.com and subscribe. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And his life is in shambles because of his, I mean, his own ability. Because if someone thinks about him, he's basically going to come near exploding their face. So yes, <laughs> hard, to, <laughs> hard to live a life like that, I'm sure. Uh, but what Dr. Ruth soon reveals is that there is a nefarious scanner out yes. there by the name of Daryl Revick. Um, and the first scene we see with him is the exploding head sequence. where Which there's magical. A, there's one scanner who's working with the school. And they're putting on a performance where he's going to show kind of like what he can do. He's going to try and get into his head. Uh, unbeknownst to him, Daryl Revick is probably the most accomplished scanner in the world. Yeah. And easily, within seconds, explodes, explodes his head in front of a whole bunch of students. And they relish in the practical of, with it, with the practical effects in it. Like it's just like it's it's. It's an it's a full on head explosion. Well, what I the, mean, what what was it that that he used? It was apparently like he put like old lunches, he put dog right? food, <laughs> yeah. he put all of this stuff into just like a a, a prosthetic of the dude's head. Just make it as disgusting he, as and possible. And he shot it with a twelve gauge from behind, and that's how you get that exploding <laughs> that ex- effect and all right. these pieces of of flesh just flying everywhere. It goes everywhere. It's one. Of, it, it is probably the best head explosion I've ever seen on film. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. It's excellent. Um, but what soon happens is that Cameron gets recruited by Dr. Ruth to go and pursue Revic, who is a dude right. who is, you know, trying to take down, uh, according to Ruth, all of these uh, these scanners. He wants to be, like, the best one. Yeah. Um, so Cameron, what proceeds after that is this conspiracy thriller type thing where Cameron starts trying to infiltrate these scanner groups that might know something about Revic. Uh, and he starts to soon question even the own, his own mission that he's he's on mm-hmm. because you know Daryl Revick doesn't is a little bit more complicated than what he's been told and the other scanners have a little bit of a different view of it as as well there's kind of like a hippie commune of yeah. of, uh, of scanners and there's one who is a who is an artist uh, who I think is one has one of the best scenes in the in the film his art looks amazing by the way where, oh, yeah. where, where he's basically using his art to try and uh, depict the uh, the scanner experience of having all of these thoughts and having all of, in, in your head and all of these feelings. Uh, and it's a really good metaphor for Cronenberg himself, who seems to use his own art as a way to uh, uh, excise his his own fears and anxieties. Yeah, and like the body horror. He, like I think you said it... Uh, the, after we watch the film, it seems like Cronenberg has a deep phobia of of just things happening to the body that you can't control. Yeah, like it just because uh, it's it always seems like it's either 
um, and the body it, a, a rooting, like it's just disappearing on itself, you know, and or something along those. Yeah, lines. or it's or it's convulsing, or it's doing. Yeah. it's doing even when it does unexpected things. You're just you're, it, there's a fear of that. Yeah, that you're that you're not in control of it, and it it also seems to translate to how does that affect the psyche. Mm-hmm. And in this one, literally, how can the psyche affect the flesh in general? Which is, yeah. in its most literal sense, what this movie is trying to right. trying to be about. One thing I really love about this is that this has, uh, as you mentioned earlier, this has a really low budget. This is a $3 million yeah. film, so he doesn't have a lot of... And yet he needs to make a grand conspiracy film out of this. Right. So what, and, and make and, these powers seem powerful make them exactly. feel something have a have a weight to them you know yeah so he we've just talked how he already does that about makeup and and through sound design and and this but one thing that he does brilliantly in the in the you know the actual narrative and structure of the film is that he has the film take place in kind of all of these like uh banal spaces like it's in like corporate meetings or it's in a shopping mall or it's mm-hmm. in a uh, you know, like a small farmhouse or it's in, you know, it's it's in all these kind of like mundane places where you wouldn't expect exceptional things to be happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's not like a big grand set in any no, in this film. No, and, and in fact, most of his shots are actually done quite close so that you don't even see a lot of the rooms. Yeah, um, it reminded me of kind of like that, that the anti-action in, um, there was a, that spy movie, a, a soldier tinker, Oh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy? Yeah, just how it's kind of like a slow-moving espionage kind of thing. Like, it's not really based around the action itself, really. And yeah, and and, and it sits with these characters in these mundane situations. Because obviously the whole point of that film is that, you know, it's trying to be the opposite of Bond. That spy work isn't cool. It's mundane. Right. It's it's sitting at a desk and doing boring research. And they kind of dive into that in this film, And it's the same thing here, yeah, Yeah. that that you, you know, these there's all these mundane spaces where all these crazy things are happening. Mm-hmm. And in this case it's yeah. cause, cause what ends so up happening gray, like it's like a white lab in almost every scene you see, like everything is very normal looking and just, yeah, which, scale. which I think does say something yeah. because, because what this eventually ends up being is a movie about, about revolution and corporate espionage yeah. and, and all these, all these huge things. But the decision making and the people involved in that kind of stuff are just kind of boring, normal, normal people.